Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we will continue our reflections into Paul's first letter to the Church of Corinth, reflections that will have us in chapter 10, this very rich chapter 10. And our reflections this evening will be aided by Debbie Rizals, who is in studio with me. So Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. It's great to be here. So Debbie, before we jump into our principal subject matter for this evening, something that I've been talking about this week is the importance of, well, making Holy Week holy. Yes. To really re-examine not only where we are at during Lent, but in a much deeper way, where are we at in our relationship with God? And in the light of that, what else might God be asking from me mm. this week? Right. How can we say no to one thing over here to say yes to another thing over here? Mm. Right. I mean, this is what we need to be thinking about. And as we do so, be mindful that Lent and Holy Week is about reestablishing who we are before God, who we are in God, so that out from Lent and into Easter and into ordinary time, we might become more vibrant Christians and Catholics and, and that we might be doing what God is asking us to do. So Holy Week has a purpose, right? Mm, yes. That we recenter ourselves. So, I pose the question, how are we doing this week? <laughs> what is that one thing? Have we done that one thing? And, you know, to talk about one thing, Debbie, is to really be mindful also of the importance of, quite simply, making more time for God. Mm -hmm. Making more time for God. You know, I have my Lenten practices, my Lenten disciplines, and there was something else that I gave up this week, and I found myself spending extra time in prayer by the grace of God go I. Spending extra time in spiritual reading by the grace of God go I, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just little things, mm -hmm. and we can do those little things in God's grace that we might become more in Him. So anyhow, with that, Debbie, if you can get us going, we are in 1 Corinthians 10, and I think what we will read, verses 14 to 22, huh? Mm -hmm. Therefore, my beloved, avoid idolatry. I am speaking as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I am saying. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because the loaf of bread is one, we though many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Look at Israel according to the flesh. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? So what am I saying? That meat sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. I mean that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to become participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and also drink the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and of the table of demons. 
or are we provoking the Lord to jealous anger? Are we stronger than he? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I wonder, Debbie, if St. Paul had any idea that when he was writing this letter to the church of Corinth, that it would become a part of a canon, that his letter, his epistle, would be enshrined in the New Testament and be read for hundreds of years after he passed. I mean, Mm. did he have any idea? Mm. Did he have any idea that his words, these verses, would pass through so many hearts and would impact so many people? Interesting. All right, anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) these verses, Debbie, therefore, my beloved, shun the worship of idols. The word shun here, I don't know how long ago it was. It might have been, gosh, three, four weeks ago now. But when we were in chapter 6, we read a similar verse in verse 18, chapter 6, verse 18, where Paul was talking about this need to shun immorality. In the Greek, you translate that as shun fornication or shun prostitution. Now here, he's using a similar phrase, but it's not shun immorality. It's shun the worship of idols. You read, Debbie, avoid idolatry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some translations might have flee from idolatry. This is shun the worship of of idols. Shun and flee really probably get at the Greek better. It's it's more aggressive than just avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, It's running away from. It's fleeing. Mm -hmm. It's sprinting in the other direction. Now, why immorality and idols? Well, I think Paul wants us to see something here. Because when you talk about fornication and prostitution, what are you doing? You're degrading the body. Mm-hmm. When you talk about idolatry, what are you doing? You're degrading the soul. Mm-hmm. So you have this comparison and contrast between uh, these two verses where ultimately we are made to see how they are linked together. Why? Because both were going on in the pagan temples. We forget that pagan worship often entailed, if not always entailed, what? These fertility cults, Mm -hmm. where there were massive orgies. This Mm -hmm. is the reality. Benedict XVI talks about this in Deus Caritas as that why were people gravitating towards pagan worship, towards idol worship? Because of the rituals involved, Mm. right? They're having their... Kind of like today. Very much so. I do bring this up because... Look at what he's talking about here. He's focusing on pagan worship. So he's saying, shun it. Shun the worship of idols. And oh, by the way, also, remember what I said back four chapters ago. Shun immorality. How about verse 15 here, Deb? I speak as to sensible men. Mm -hmm. Judge for yourselves what I say. Paul has been developing an argument, and um, he understands that we are sensible people as he speaks to it here, that we have this capacity to reason. And Paul is, yes, a theologian, an extraordinary biblical theologian, but he's also a philosopher. And so he likes to dialogue. He likes to debate. So essentially what Paul is saying here is, okay, are you paying attention? I'm now going to give you a reason into why I am saying what I am saying. You are sensible. Apply your reason. Apply Mm -hmm. your senses. Mm -hmm. He's a a master teacher here. He's getting his audience to think critically about what he is saying here. 
This is something we need to imitate. It's not enough to just, just to say, well, we do this as Catholics because the Pope says so, mm-hmm. or we do this as Christians because this is what Jesus said. Why? Why do we do it? Not to just defend our faith, but also once you uncover the why, you're uncovering the essence. The beauty. <laughs> and the beauty, the beauty of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I dare say, once you do that, you're going to be uh, a stronger Christian and Catholic because of it. Because once you understand why you're doing what you're doing, then you can, what does Paul say? Participate. Mm -hmm. He emphasizes that word, does Mm -hmm. he not, Debbie? Participate. So another very important piece, one that we should not gloss over, because if we do, we can miss really what what is in St. Paul's heart. And I love that you brought up the word flee, because I think it, um, it speaks to participation. Flee is different. You know, when you just avoid something, it's, it's one thing. But when you flee, you recognize danger. Mm. It, there's a different aspect there. And, and, and Paul's saying, recognize the danger to your soul mm. that is here yeah. and flee from it. Don't just avoid it. Just Don't just, oh, okay, but flee from it. Mm. That's how important this is. And, and you're right. God doesn't want robots. Yes, he wants obedience, but he wants obedience out of love. He wants obedience um, because it's going to lead to our salvation. So we need to participate. We, we don't do robot. Well, my folks did it, and, you know, Joe Blow does it down the mm-hmm. street. So, yeah, I'll go to Mass. Mm-hmm. It, no, he, want, he wants so much more yeah. than that for us. yeah. yeah. Well, and you use the word obedience, Debbie, a word that means to listen. If we are going to enter into these conversations that we need to have about why we do what we do, we have to listen to one another. Mm -hmm. Certainly, obedience is an important aspect to the degree that we listen to the other person explain why they are doing what they are doing, or in the case of someone asking us, having us explain to them why we do what we do, because there is a very specific reason Mm -hmm. why we do what we do, and all of which, again, should lead to this actuoso participatio, this active participation where where we engage mind and heart. Mm -hmm. I um, was in conversation with someone some months ago, and it actually led to a blog piece of mine where we were talking about what it means to participate. And as I was reflecting into the question, I went into the, into the setting of the stadium. Mm. How do we participate? Well, <laughs> if you are rooting for your team, you are what? Fanatical oh. about your team. I think we've all been there. Oh, yeah. Right? Mindful, <laughs> again, that fan is just short for fanatical, Right. <laughs> We are a fan of our team. Mm. You don't have to look far. You don't have to look wide. <clears throat> All you have to do is look to the person next to you, the person standing up, mm-hmm. the person yelling, mm-hmm. the person jumping up and down. Mm-hmm. They are actively participating in what is going on in the arena and in what is going on. If you're paying attention and not just there to drink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure, sure. But that's what Paul's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's right. To be actively engaged, yes. to be actively Paying engaged, yes. yes. And when it comes to most games that that we go to, at least that I go to, mm-hmm. when 
I'm going to go to a game where I'm rooting for a team, my team, and I'm going to be very engaged. I'm yep. going to be participating. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be involved. And mm-hmm. my whole body is involved, oh, yeah. right? God wants us to think about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he has a question for us. Are you actively engaged, participating in what is taking place on the altar? Right. Are you as engaged in what's going on during Mass as you might be if you go to a Giants game? That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a hard question because yeah. if we're going to be honest with ourselves, I don't know if we always are. Or for me, the Oakland days. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that Giants plug. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is a hard question though, huh? I mean, yeah. because when you really think about it, there are times where we might tune out. Mm-hmm. But this is... The challenge that is before us. Sure. And, Don't it, and it's out. the human nature, you know, that sometimes we um, float away. Yeah. <laughs> we mm-hmm. float away somewhere. Yeah. And, but do we bring ourselves back? And that's what God looks at, you know, are we bringing ourselves back mm-hmm. into his presence, into what's happening? Yes. And we may float away during the A's game or the Giants game. And that, that does happen. It does happen. From time to time. From time to time. <laughs> but here again, we have this call that St. Paul is challenging us with to do everything in our power to be actively engaged, which also, Debbie, um, has us focusing on the importance of disposition because Mm -hmm. we just don't show up Mm -hmm. at Mass and actively engage. We have to prepare our hearts. We have to Mm -hmm. to prepare our minds. Going back to the A's Giants, the reason why we root so hard for our teams is because we follow them closely, Mm -hmm. right? We follow the players. We follow their stats. We can identify who they are. So when we go to the game, we're like, oh, there's so-and-so or, oh, there's so-and-so. And And when they're up at the plate or they're out in the field, we're watching them closely. We're watching them closely because of how we spend our time outside of the ballpark. So essentially, the same thing is going on during Mass. The same thing is going on during the Mass. We are called to predispose ourselves Mm -hmm. so that when we get to church, we are again engaged. And we've talked about this a little bit about, um, you know, getting ready, pre-reading the readings, you know, how to, so how do we get ready folks? Yeah. We go to confession and boy, Paul will hit on that in a few chapters. Uh, in 11, I believe he, he talks about, um, examining your body, examining yourself before partaking at the altar, before eating and drinking condemnation yeah. on yourself. So he will get into that in uh, you know, the next chapter. Very important that we don't just arrive at Mass in mortal sin mm-hmm. and take the body and blood of Christ. We, uh, we, we do ourselves more harm than good when we do that. So praying, spend some time in quiet prayer while you're getting ready for Mass. Pre-read those readings so you're kind of warmed up for what, yeah. you know, what you're going to hear at Mass. Boy, that that is such an important thing. Do that hour fast. That's not much to ask. Do the hour fast. Get your body ready, your mind ready, your spirit ready, um, so that when you get to Mass, you're warmed up. Mm-hmm. You're warmed yeah. up already. Yeah, you know? yeah you're, you're ready to go. You're ready. You're ready to go. And Debbie, Paul here uses a phrase that I want to... Um, talk about if ever so briefly. And it's in verse 16 where he talks about the cup of blessing which we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ. What is he talking about here? 
we can read that verse and speak to it in general terms. Uh, the word blessing speaks to thanksgiving, but the cup of blessing is something very specific in the Jewish mindset. Because if you were to go back to the Passover Seder meal, it was structured by four cups, mm -hmm. the four cups of wine, Debbie. The first cup of wine <clears throat> was the cup of sanctification, mm -hmm. or the Kiddush cup. The second uh, cup of wine was the cup of proclamation, the cup of proclamation, or the, in the Hebrew, the Haggadah cup. The third cup of wine was known as the cup of blessing, yeah. right? What St. Paul mm -hmm. is talking about here, uh, that in the Hebrew is the Barakah, the Barakah cup. And the fourth cup of wine was the cup of praise, and that was the Hallel cup. So you have these four cups of wine. And Debbie, what do you notice there? These four cups of wine that give structure and order to the Seder meal. Incidentally, the Hebrew word for Seder simply means order, mm -hmm. right? Order. So the four cups of wine that bring structure to the Passover Seder breaks open the Passover Seder in four ways. Introductory rites, mm -hmm. the proclamation of the word, sharing the meal or eating the meal, and the concluding rites. What does that sound like? But the Mass. Mm -hmm. The Mass, right? The Mass is in so many ways patterned after the Passover Seder meal. We so often talk about the Passover in its sacrificial dimension. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there was a very structured meal tied to it. Right. A very structured meal tied to it. And certainly, <laughs> when you talk about the Mass, you talk about it within the context of sacrifice, for mm -hmm. sure, but also there's a very structured, ordered, ritual mm -hmm. liturgy mm -hmm. that is rooted in the Old Testament. And this is what Paul is speaking to here, huh? Right. The cup of blessing. The cup of blessing. We can spend so much time on this, uh, Debbie. The beauty be here. here is yeah. just unfathomable. It folks. really is. Because when you get into the Mishnah and there's other rabbinical sources here, what you discover is how rich mm. not only the Passover Seder meal is, but uh, how Jesus fulfills it in the Eucharist. Right. One of the things that you read of during the, the cup of blessing, the cup of blessing was about eating the meal. Mm -hmm. And one of the steps was to, well, eat hors d'oeuvres, basically. Mm -hmm. And one of the hors d'oeuvres was a morsel of bread that you would dip in sauce. And uh, some have suggested that this is what Judas is doing. He's at the Last Supper right. taking the morsel of bread and dip it in the sauce. And of course, we know he leaves. He's no longer a part of the cup of blessing, which in of itself is very interesting. But to the point here, Debbie, Paul is speaking to something very specific. Yes. The cup of blessing, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? So we're talking about participation in the context of the Mass and how we are called to engage mind and heart in the readings and, and the prayers and the rituals and so on and so forth. But let's put it in the context of the actual blood of Christ, who says what in John 6? Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. So this participation is very, very real mm -hmm. in the Catholic life. 
one that Paul wants us to see. And as we've already touched upon, Debbie, <laughs> he contrasts this with a participation in what? A participation in the table of demons. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is strong stuff. He uses demons one, two, three, four times. He is. Yeah. He is He's driving at home. He really is. Mm -hmm. That this you you're either doing one or the other. Mm -hmm. You're right. either, you are either participating in the cup of Christ mm -hmm. or the cup of demons. Right. Very strong, very um Ignatian. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear Saint uh, Ignatius when you read mm -hmm. these verses, for sure. Let's go back. Corinth is littered with with idol worship, with pagan worship. And um this is his instruction to them and to us um, who also have our own idol worship that we can talk about, you know, briefly. Um, but, he, but he's saying, flee from what you know to what is true, you know? And so, you know, you can imagine that a Corinthian man or woman who's participated in idol worship, pagan worship, maybe for, since they were a child, it would be hard for them maybe to turn that completely off to 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 worship at the altar of Christ. <clears throat> and so Paul's saying, you can't do both. You can't, you know, do an idol worship, a sacrifice here. You can't even go. Don't even participate. Don't act like you're an observer because mm -hmm. you're not. You're now a participant because you've shown up. Yep. This is big. This is this is a big thing. So you're either one or the other. Yeah. It's black and white here. It really is. It really is. And you know, Debbie, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we all have our idols. Yes. And idols that we sacrifice to. And what mm -hmm. do I mean by that? Well, however you spend your time, Probably somewhere in there, you're spending your time with something that you don't need to be spending your time with. Right. And in order for you to do that, you have to sacrifice something else, which is something that should rightfully belong to God. Right. So we are making sacrifices so that we might spend more time with our idols. Maybe mm -hmm. we can put it that way. And sometimes we make great sacrifices to spend time with our idols, to offer up our time to these idols. Something that's interesting here, Debbie, is... Maybe someone in our listening audience might be thinking, well, I don't know, Joe, those pagan idols can tend towards laziness. But even then, <laughs> you are sacrificing something that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, the word sacrifice means to make holy. Sacrum fitse, to make holy. If we are sacrificing the way we ought, we're going to be made more holy mm -hmm. in Christ. But here's the snag, and Paul would want us to see this. If we are turning this upside down and making sacrifices to spend time with idols, oh, be rest assured, my friends, we will be set apart, but not in the way we want to. Mm. Not in the way we want to. Come judgment day, he is going to sift through the wheat and the shaft. He's going to let us know, um, hey, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? And that private conversation, we have to be mindful of that. We have to be taking stock in what that final conversation is going to look like, um, especially in relationship to how we are spending time, because that really is the end game. How yeah. are we spending our time? Are we spending our time with pagan idols? Mm -hmm. I mean, earlier we were talking about rooting for 
the A's or for Giants, that can easily turn into idol worship. Oh, sure. Notre Dame football here oh, in the United boy. States of America, you know. Yeah. We have our teams we root for. That yeah. can easily turn into idol worship. And mm-hmm. we have to keep ourselves in check. Right. Otherwise, you can blink and you just spent two, three, four hours in idol worship. And how has that enriched your soul yeah. at all? <laughs> yeah. And again... <laughs> how has it glorified God? <laughs> yes, yes, amen. Well, it's Notre Dame, Deb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a school of Our Lady. <laughs> Yeah, what would Our Lady be saying about that? And two, three, four hours that would have us very engaged. Mm. You know, so we have to just be thinking moderation. about this. Yes. Moderation in all things. We're back to that wonderful virtue of temperance. That wonderful virtue of temperance, the most underestimated, oh, not boy. only cardinal virtue, but for me, virtue, period, because it really does bring balance. Mm-hmm. Everything that we are talking about right now, yeah. Debbie has um, a lot to do with the cardinal virtue of temperance because it's just not balance. Mm -hmm. It's just not modifying. It's really about self-mastery. The cardinal virtue of temperance is about the disciplined no. Mm -hmm. Paul was just talking about it uh, earlier in this chapter, the need to be Mm -hmm. self-disciplined, the need to have a sense of what it means to say no. Mm -hmm. Really, the greatest act of charity we can do for ourselves is say no to that one thing we spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And to say no is the virtuous yes to the cardinal virtue of temperance. Right. And that is really at the heart of so much of what we're talking about right now. And all of this pours itself into what, Debbie? But this need to be present to the body of Christ. Uh, very important. I don't know, Debbie, if you had any closing thoughts. I, I'm so glad you brought up the body. We're the mystical body of Christ, folks. We affect one another. And my time watching a Notre Dame football game versus spending it in prayer or in service to my brothers and sisters affects the body of Christ. Amen. Yeah, earlier in this epistle, we may note that there isn't anything that we do that is autonomous from the body of Christ. Exactly. Um, our faith is not a private matter. How we spend our time in private is going to, as you were just speaking to it, Debbie, impact the body of Christ. And if you're married, this shouldn't be rocket science, because how you spend your time when you are not with your spouse is very much going to impact your time with your spouse. And it is the same deal with the larger body of Christ. Something we need to be thinking about, Mm -hmm. because again, that point, Debbie, very much is tied to so much of what we have been talking about this evening. Um, this need to participate, this need to be engaged, and all the while fleeing, avoiding, shunning, running in the opposite direction of all that is idol worship. All that is idol worship. All right, with that, let's close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you special thanks and praise for the gift of another evening the gift of being able to reflect into the richness of your word, that our uh, humble and simple reflections might encourage us to go deeper in our faith, especially this week, which you have called holy. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. 
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.